Bay's Tan Talk. Entertaining and informative radio for the Sunshine State. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than flacarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, flacarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at flacarshows.com. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car has been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Radio and Cars.
Okay, listeners, welcome. You're tuned in to Nostalgia Reading Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers in Google Tantalk1340.com, and you can see me, little old me, here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfstreetMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And if you missed any of our past shows, don't forget to check out our website, Street. No, wait a minute. Nostalgic Radio and Cars. That's it, yeah. I'll get it straight. See, this dementia thing is just kind of getting worse by worse by worse. By. Today, I had sharp pains on my left side, so I panicked, and I said, uh-oh. Turned out it was just gas. But anyway, um, but just to be on the safe side, I went to uh, CVS or Walgreens. No, I went to Publix. That's where I went, and I got myself some aspirin, because they always say, just in a pinch, make sure you got some aspirin. So I took two aspirins. But I think other than that, I should be pretty healthy. Although I was joking with Alan today about that. I was saying, you know, Alan, look this up for me. Look, at, look up sharp pains on the left side because I was driving and I couldn't look. And I was getting a little concerned, you know, because lately some of my friends have been dropping dead. And I'm like, uh-oh, you know, like uh, heart attacks and strokes and weird stuff like that. So, and of course, you know me, I'm a hamburger pizza eating kind of guy. So I'm sure my arteries are like, well, pretty tight. So, anyway, hey, we got an exciting show for you tonight. We got two guys coming on tonight. Uh, we have one guy that's uh, putting on an amazing show in South Florida. And then I have a very talented, very gifted, and very well known, uh, talented artist, musician that had some pretty great hits back in the day. One I thought was kind of um, unusual. But it is cool, and it's cool. It's '60s. It's garage band style music, and you know, I, we, we always talk about music and stuff like that. And you know, it's funny because you, when you think of garage bands, you always think, well, you know, it's a California scene. Garage bands were all over the country. I don't care whether you're in Florida, whether you're in Michigan, whether you're in wherever. Garage bands were everywhere. Music is great. Hey, we got our first guest on the line. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening. This guy's a superstar. He used to play for the Miami Dolphins, a real live football player. But you know what his big claim to fame is besides football? You know, because we're car guys here. Is he is the founder of the Cars of Los Olas. Supercar Saturday, and this weekend's sensational upcoming motor car cavalcade. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening, Floyd Rag. Floyd, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. How you guys doing? We're doing real good. We're excited. Tell us about uh, tell us about this weekend and the motor car cavalcade. Man, so motor car cavalcade is a luxury concourse. I don't know if you guys go to concourses all over the United States, but we do. Pebble Beach, Bay Island. Uh, well, so what happens, we're in South Florida in the mecca of all, all the things happening. We travel all over the United States to these shows, but we don't have a concourse in our own backyard. So we're like, look, we need to change that so we put motor car cavalcade together. That's excellent. Now tell us about what can people expect when they go to the motor car cavalcade. First of all, they can find it on the website, right? It's motorcarcavalcade.com? Motorcarcavalcade.com. Think it of as polo with cars, uh, Women with the big hat, men dressed to the nine. Uh, we got everything from a, a Bugatti sent out their new Super Sport to a 1934 Bugatti. Uh, we had the out, everything from a, 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 a GTB Aston Martin. So, you know, we have everything out there this weekend. So how does it basically... Um, work. So if I want to attend the event, how do I go about attending the event? How do I go about getting tickets? And what do I get you, when I get there? You, so everything, once you get in, everything is free. Your champagne is free. Your food is free. You have all different activations. We have sample tasting stations. Uh, I, mean, I mean, we have everything out there. You have coffee stations. I mean, we have everything you need out there. Like I said, besides the cars, we have the food. We have the clothes. We have the champagne. We have the women. <laughs> <And the> cars. <laughs> uh, all right now all right so how many cars are we going to have on the show field 
105. 105. Okay, and these are carefully picked cars by you and the rest yeah. of your team of judges, right? Everything's hand-selected. We have judges. We're flying out from Pebble Beach. We have judges flying out from Amelia Island. We have judges flying out from all over the United States that we have personally haven't flown out for this event. We have 20 judges. We have 12 classes. We have classes. And what we try to do is different. We don't want to make it like the two concourse judging. We're going to have classes like color. We're going to have classes like sound. We're going to have classes like mirror, dashboards, interior. You know, so like our sound class. The sound class, you'll have your traditional judges, but we have this uh, this lady coming down. She's a world-famous opera singer who's going to be part of your judge, and we'll have, say, interior. we have your judges, but then we'll have Alonzo Morning from the Miami. He's been one of your judges. We have... We have so we have judge. We, what we do, we have judges. And we have celebrities go along with the judges. Wow, that sounds exciting. Okay, so now this is the first year for the event, the inaugural event, and it takes place where the JW Marriott at, at the JW Marriott Turnberry. That's in Aventura, Florida. Okay, five star hotel resort. It's actually an amazing place, a block from the beach. So now we're talking Miami Beach right now. No, we're talking Aventura, Florida, which is more like North Miami Beach. Okay. Excellent, excellent. Now, besides a celebrity like you, you know, a football star, who <laughs> else can I expect to see walking around there when I'm, you know, mingling oh, yeah. with the crowd, as they say? Like I said, we have Alonzo Morning coming out as a judge. We have Tyson Beckford, supermodel. We have quite a few of my Dolphins friends coming out there. Duper coming out, Mark Duper coming out, Terry Kirby from the Dolphins. So we have a bunch of my... But it's all played football. We're coming out there to join us. So it's going to be pretty fun. Super, super, super. Cars and sports. <laughs> well, now, here, let me ask you a question. Now, you have also been uh, credited with starting the Cars on Los Olas Avenue in Fort Lauderdale, which I had an opportunity to attend this year, which is where we met. An amazing event. I really, truly enjoyed that. Tell us a little bit how that takes place and what people can expect so, at Los Olas. So, so uh, so how I got into cars, a long story short, so I have a marketing company. I work with Everybody from Dennis Rodman to Eric Dixon to Marcus Salad. I do a lot of sports marketing. That's my business. Uh-huh. So I do the marketing for the Warren Henry Auto Group. We're on Lamborghini, Bugatti, Cornerstack. And so what happened, Ricky Williams came out and joined the Dolphins. And we were wondering, how can how can we get Ricky Williams a car deal? So I ended up doing a car deal with the Warren Henry Auto Group. How can we do marketing with Ricky? So I said, I'll do all the marketing for it. So. We opened up Lamborghini Broward, and it's like, how are we going to get people from Miami out to Southwest Ranches, which is out, like, in the boonies for me? So we started, let's do this car show. We're going to do the show. We're going to call it Supercar Static, because we don't want to call it cars, cars and Coffee. Cars and Coffee is more like everybody. We try to make it a little spe- more of a specialty-type cars. This show, that, a month at the dealership, it got so big, we had to move it to the shops of Pembroke Gardens. So what happened is that the people from the city of Fort Lauderdale got one of the show. Came out and said, hey, how can we bring the show to Lost Solas? I'm like, that's easy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I said, you, you were at the show four years later. We had 50,000 people at that event. And with Supercar Saturday, we get probably 500 cars there every second Saturday of the month at the South September Garden. You, I don't think you've been out there yet. Wow. No, I haven't been to Supercar Saturday, but I hear it's a heck of a show. Yeah, you should join us. Huh? As a matter of fact, we're celebrating my birthday, February 12th out there, so it's going to be a big party. Well, you know, I might have to make it uh, make a trip down there to do that. You know, because but this whole thing, your whole car thing, your marketing thing, that's a that's excellent. And you tied in sports, marketing, cars, 
concourse. I mean, it's just that's pretty. Uh, that's got to be a lot of fun for you. You know, it, it, like, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm a marketing guy when it comes to athletes. Like I said, I've been with Dennis Rodman for 30 years doing his marketing for him. So just just knowing marketing, and and then you see, I'm, I'm I'm actually from California, so the the California car scene is a big car scene. I was like, this guy could bring California to South Florida. And then, like you said, me traveling all over the United States through these different concourses, I, I saw a niche that we needed here in South Florida. And that's why we're doing motor car cavalcade. Because it's so funny, we'll go to Pebble Beach. Most of the cars are out there from South Florida, and most people are hanging out with South Florida. We go to Media Island, it's the same thing, but we don't have a true concourse in our own backyard. And so that's why we put this together. Well, I'm glad you guys did. Let me ask you this real quick, just to digress. Where in California are you from? Newport Beach. Oh, okay. That's San Diego, basically. That's a nice area down there. Well, just just for for what it's worth, I'm a Northern California kid. I'm from Marin County, north of the Bay Area. So you're right about the California I, car scene. I I coached I coached football at Monterey Junior College for two years. Did you really? Oh wow. Yeah. Well, then Monterey and Collector Car Week in August. That's like your backyard, like that's being like home, homecoming. <laughs> that's like my backyard. So I spent a lot of time up there. Well, Floyd, I am really tickled to have you on the show today. It's great. I'm glad you're bringing events to South Florida. We need them here. Miami, the whole, you know, uh, Fort Lauderdale, West Palm Beach, Miami area. I mean, it's a, it's a super, super market for cars. And, you know, it's funny because, like you said, everybody thinks, well, California car scene. Hey, you've just created the Florida car scene, man. Hey, man, I appreciate it. I look forward to seeing everybody. Come out this Sunday, like I said, Supercar Saturday on the 12th. Like I said, you can always look up motorcarcavalcade.com. Supercar Saturday is Florida. You can go to us on Instagram and see all the shows. Instagram, Supercar Saturday is Florida. Motorcar Cavalcade. And Floyd Rag on Instagram. You can see all the shows that we're doing. Well, Floyd, I want to thank you very much for hanging out, and I look forward to seeing you this Sunday. Awesome. Thank you. Let me know if you need anything. Hey, Look forward to seeing everybody on this Sunday at Motor Car Cavalcade. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to thank my guest. Have a good night. Yes, sir. Thank you. You have a good evening as well. My guest, Floyd Raglan. So we pronounce it right, but he always says Floyd Rag, but we say Floyd Raglan. And uh, a pretty cool guy. I met him. He was down there in Los Los Olas, full of energy. Just a super nice guy. Dedicated, committed. I mean, if you've been to Los Olas, I mean, that whole, you know, uh, South Florida culture, car culture down there, it is strong. And there's some amazing cars. I mean, I go out down there um, when we have the DRT, which is the Deslandtreffen. You know, that's a big event down there. Um, let's see what else is down there, Bobby. There's a couple. Of, well, the Boca Grand Concourse is coming up here in a couple of weeks, too. So a lot of cool stuff taking place down there. We did the Palm Beach uh uh, concourse with uh, Sydney Vallon from uh, Palm Beach Classics. We had Miss uh, um, Janance on. We did her steal the rooftop event down there, which was also at Los Olas and, and Fort Lauderdale. A lot of really cool car stuff going on, and you don't have to hop a plane. You can just get in your car and drive three or four hours, and you're down here in South Florida. All right, Bobby, let's go ahead and fire up that stereo real quick. Let's get ready for our next guest. Thank you guys for tuning in. You are tuning into Nostalgic Radio and Cars Don't Touch That Dial because we got a special guest coming on in a few minutes. And we're going to do some rocking and rolling and some country music and a little gospel.
back and you tune into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Now, that song was basically written and sung by a group called The Scopes, as in S-K-O-P-E-S, back in uh, mid-60s. I want to say around 67. And it was done by our next guest that's coming on the show here in a few minutes. And now, you know, when I, when I saw the title name, she's got bad breath, I'm going, okay. Now, keep in mind, these were garage bands, a couple guys, high school, you know, that kind of got together. And that's the way Garage Band, and, and that was kind of like the beat back then, you know, so it's pretty groovy. I thought it was cool. I listened to the whole song. I said, yeah, I'm going to play it again. That is a very, very, very catchy song. So I'm delighted to welcome our guests here in a few minutes on our show. But Bob's going to go ahead. Bob, Bobby. And they call me Bob, Bobby, too. Wait. Well, in fact, what was it? You uh, can join the, the group of everybody today that just says Bob. <laughs> yeah, Bob. Bob. Hey, Bob. We're just bobbing around. That's what we're doing, you know. But anyway, um, so, uh, yeah, okay. So we've got the Motocar Cavalcade coming on this weekend, and that should be pretty exciting. Um, the Orlando International Guitar Expo is also this weekend. We had Morty Beckman on last week on our show. Bertie Higgins was on our show. Another native Floridian. And uh, so we're going to go do this. We're going to explore this uh uh, Florida music scene here probably for the next couple of weeks, and there's no telling who we'll have on the show um, because it's, uh, you know, you're reaching out to everybody and just, everybody's like thinking, hey, this is cool. So it's high time that uh, that uh, we get some uh, recognition for some of our Floridian-based um, musical um, talent. Is that Did I say that okay, Bobby? Did that sound okay? I guess. I'll give you a pass. I'll give you a pass? Okay. All right, so let's go ahead and fire up the next song here real quick, and then we'll have a guest on in a few minutes, and... Uh, don't forget, the most fascinating legendary guys in uh, music and automotive. Hey, you're tuned in to Nostalgia Radio Cars. This is a really cool song. This was a big hit in 1969. Hey, you're tuned in to Nostalgia Radio Cars. We'll be right back with our special guest. In your eyes and the smell of flowers blooming fills the air. Joy when she is there. 
Okay, we're back, and you tune into Nostalgia Creative Cars, and it's time to introduce our very special guest for the evening. This gentleman is the founder of the local Tampa garage band, The Scopes, which they played that first song I, I had on the show here a little while ago. He uh, also went on to uh, play with Mercy. He was one of the members of Mercy back in the late 60s, and they just did this hit. He just This is a remake that he just did of... Uh, the song, and he also went on to country music with the Country Cavaliers, and then he also does gospel. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening our own Tampa James Marvell. James, how are you this evening? Man, Robert, you 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 and Bobby are fantastic. I appreciate this, and you know that first song you played, I couldn't believe you uh, you would play. She's got bad breath. You know that was banned. Was it? Back in the, oh yeah, band. Uh, we were on USA Records back then. And uh, by the way, I keep echoing back to myself, but that's okay. Uh, you could hear me out there. I hear, hear you fine. You're coming in loud and clear. Okay. Anyways, it was banned uh, back in the uh, 1966. It was uh, John Centenaro, our manager back then, uh, who had co written the song with me. And uh, then uh, Carl Bonafati came into the picture. He was the guy who founded the uh, Buckinghams and managed the Buckinghams, member of Kind of a Drag, yes, and all yes. these hits. And, uh, well, you know, after it was released, uh, it seems like the uh, mouthwash company didn't, <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> didn't like the idea of uh, the Scopes, even though we spelled our name with a K, S-K-O-P-E-S. And, uh, you know, they just uh, put a stop to it. It was growing and and taking off there in Chicago, and uh, I'm telling you, but, you know, that's the way my career started, uh, Robert. It started with a bean band. Well, wait a minute. Now, see, they should have used that song in their commercial promos. I mean, she's got bad breath, you know, and then a little scope by the scopes. Well, you know, it's just the way it works, I guess, in this industry. You know, you either have to pay your dues one way or the other, but let me tell you, it was fun. Uh, a little later, uh, that was before Mercy, of course, the, uh-huh. uh, the song you played there uh, by the uh, by the Scopes, the, the group that I helped uh, create, and then uh, with our manager, John Centenero. Then uh, we went on to be part of a duel. Uh, members of the Scopes went on to be part of the duel, the Country Cavaliers. Uh-huh. Boy, this phone keeps echoing back at me. Uh, you got to forgive me, but I keep... Do you, want, do you want to put it on speaker and then just shove it over to the side a little bit? You can do that. That works. We can try yeah, that. Let's try that. Let's try that. How did, Where did the name Scopes come from? I mean, the band Scopes, how did that originate, by the way? Okay. Can you hear me okay? We sound fine. You sound great. Okay. Uh, well, the Scopes is a garage band out of the Florida area, and a lot of folks can uh, read about it over at Ted website. You've heard of Ted Webb. He passed away about a uh, about a year ago, eight months ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, but anyways, we created that. We created the group, the Surprise, which we had to change our name from the Scopes back then, being uh, you know local musicians because of what happened in Chicago and being banned. Uh, we became Surprise. Those are other garage band songs that you may not have there handy. So that's how it happened between our manager John Centenero. And myself, we just came up with the name, and Buddy Good, who later uh, was part of Mercy, and we also became the duel that you mentioned earlier, the Country 
Cavaliers that played in the Tampa area back then in the late 60s after Scopes. We grew our hair long, a couple of long-haired, hippie-looking guys way before there was such, you know, a thing as so-called long hair in country. We played a local place in Tampa called the Hub Deep South out there on Hillsborough Avenue. And, uh, boy, that took off. Uh, we even had Bobby Bear would drop in on us from Nashville, Tennessee, uh, kind of excited to see this unique duel that was there at this honky-tonk uh, with his uncle. His uncle was on a uh, lead guitar. His name was Johnny Bear. So it grew from there. The group Mercy came along just as we were creating this so-called pre-outlaw uh, look. Uh, and then we went on to record more songs with Mercy. They came along. They, they had started to take off with a song written by Jack Sigler Jr., uh, Robert, uh, Love Can Make You Happy. Uh-huh. So there we are. We're thinking, gosh, we're going to have to leave country music and go and, and, and break into rock because this thing is taking off. We go into Warner Brothers. They record it. It becomes a monster hit in the top ten with Elvis, Frank Sinatra, the Beatles, uh, uh, the Guess Who were there, the Fifth Dimension, Credence. The Beatles were at number one with uh, Get Back at that time. And you may remember the air yes. there. Robert also uh, Elvis had In the Ghetto. At remember that? Six, and Sinatra had My Way at that time, that perfect timing. We wound up in the top ten with the legends in the history of music. And there we were at number two, right under the Beatles, with this classic written by Jack Sigler Jr., the founder. He was a founder of Mercy, and love can make you happy. So, you know, that in a nutshell, the career continues, and I'm still at it today. It's hard to believe, but I love that Tampa area. Um, I was blessed not long ago to wind up in the music uh, music's, um, what's the name of that? Uh, uh, Rick Crandall runs a station. Music. Tampa Bay Music? Yeah, Music Tampa Bay. Music Tampa Bay, okay. And, and I was blessed to be uh, in a in the Hall of Fame there uh, with those folks. Uh, so that's another story. I've got a lot of stories out of that area. And uh, thank you for having me here. I appreciate you both, you and Bobby, to, you know, Help me out with this today. No, this is super. No, I want. There's a couple little things here now. Um, the song "Opla Di Obla Da." You guys sang that, but it was originally was it written by Paul McCartney and and John Lennon, and then you guys recorded it, and then they said, oh, "Wait a minute," or they took it back. For, how did that story go? Tell us that story. That's kind of an interesting well, one. Uh, okay, the, what happened? You know, when you're on Warner Brothers, and when you're you know you're this hot, uh, you get pitched all these songs. And so we did cover songs, and Obladi was, uh, you know, one of them, and uh, so was Never My Love and many others off of the Warner Brothers album. Of course, McCartney and Lennon, I believe, wrote it. And uh, that that was just one of those things. I think the association had Never My Love, right. another one off our album. You might have a copy of those. Uh, so that's the way it works. You just, you know, you're able to get into the click of things and, and Warner Brothers gets behind it, and all of a sudden we have a top 40 album out of 200 albums in the nation back in the late 60s. We got, uh, we're got we up there in the top 40 with all this stuff, and uh, 
and of course the Beatles and Sinatra and all these people with number two song right under them, and then follow up hits that we had. Uh, but yeah, that's the way it works, Robert. It's uh, you know that's the way it works. So, how much control did the record companies and your producers and people like that have over you back in the day? I mean, were you um, were you given the freedom to? Because you, know, you hear sometimes that musicians, you know, they're they're basically pigeonholed, and and the, and the record producers and the managers say, no, we need you to do this, not that, even though you know you you have an, an instinct to go, let's say, a little bit in a different direction. Did you kind of follow what they um, wanted you to do, or did you have the latitude to kind of do your own thing? Well, we were uh, you know managed, of course. We had some. William Morris Agency managing it. So we'd have to pay attention to those people that were in charge. And, uh, but yeah, you know, Jack Sigler, he really, he was really the genius behind the group Mercy. Uh, he kind of did his thing. He put in there some of his originals besides Love Can Make You Happy. And, uh, yeah, yeah, we, we were able to be a little bit on the creative side. But when you're under that thing with the Warner Brothers and under that kind of situation, you have to kind of follow follow their lead and i tell you it was an exciting time being on the road with uh, gary puckett and the union gap the cow sills frankie valley and the four seasons winding up on the uh, mike douglas show back then with the group mercy uh don rickles don rickles was on the show i remember it well he even made fun of me a little bit so that was a compliment if you know what i mean yeah 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 <laughs> well now let me ask you this so now how old were you and when when you're young and you're experiencing all this fame, how what goes through your little mind? Oh gosh, man! I tell you what, uh, you know, you think that you've arrived. Tell you the truth, and it's uh, you know, it's uh, you know, you just start believing things, and being so young, you don't have a really a great grip on what's really happening. There's a lot of business going on behind the scenes. You're just there. You think you're some kind of superstar, so you just to go along for the ride. But I tell you what, uh, it's amazing, you know, to have started so young with, in such a powerful position with the group Mercy. But, yeah, that's what you think. All right, so when you, when you were with the group Scopes, how old were you then? Ah, oh, gosh, you know, you, you're trying to get me... Get well, no, 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 it doesn't. Age means nothing. I'm just trying to give you an... I, I'm trying to establish, you know, because when you're young and you're successful, you know, there's people listening that go, well, I'll never be able to do this. But what I want you to do is share. Yes, you can. You can be 10. You can be 15. You can be 20. It makes no difference. You can be 100. No, no, no. You can do this. I mean, but you just have to have the faith. I just had a lot of confidence that things could get done. And there I was at the age of 15 or so, you know, in the in the group of scopes and and already recording with USA Records out of uh, Chicago, and our manager put us there with with Carl Bonafati, the guy who managed the uh, Buckinghams, and and then it started that way. Yeah, we were young, and Buddy Good and I, who later became the Duel, the Country Cavaliers, and part of Mercy. Yeah, that's where we started with Garage Bands, Tampa Bay area. Uh, you know, it's just a great, great time. Great time. Um, was there a recording studio in Tampa that you uh, used yeah, at time? Charles Fuller. Charles Fuller Studios uh, out of Tampa, Florida. We did a lot of recordings there. I think the Royal Guardsmen yeah. uh, used to record there and had a lot of their hits come out of there. So many people used Charles Fuller Recording Studio on MacDill Avenue. 
uh-huh. there in Tampa, Florida. Yeah, I just remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, there with my garage bands, the scopes, the, the surprise, and others. Uh, just, just, uh, just doing it. You know. How were your parents at the time? I mean, when you're young and you're exposed to all this media and this, uh, you know, this success, if you will. Um, your parents, what kind of a role do they play? You know, let's say for you and let's say other members of the band. I mean, especially when you're, you know, 15, 16 years old. I mean, you're still basically a minor. So what kind of influences did they have and how supportive were they at the time? Well, in my case, um, you know, I kept growing my hair during that era. The Beatles had started to break out. And, yeah, they were very supported. My mom was very always, you know, mothers are that way. Uh, very supported, and uh, my dad lived to be 103 years old. Really? Supported to the very end, lived alone to the end there, uh, Robert. Uh, good, you know, just a, a good thing, and uh, was still supporting me not long ago. Actually, about five years ago, he was still encouraging, you know, what I do in music. So, yeah, it, it's been that kind of life. They loved it, and uh, there was never, never any problem with that. That's cool. Now let's go to the uh, the uh, Country Cavaliers, and they say that you and guys like Willie Nelson and Waylon Jennings uh, are responsible for the um, outlaw movement, which was kind of like uh, a little bit of a rebellion against the Nashville music establishment. Why don't you elaborate on that a little bit? Well, thank you for asking me, and I'd like to say that there was once a, a journalist that wrote the wrong impression, because I may come across sometimes, especially in this situation when you're on the phone and you're echoing back a little bit. If I sound a little rush, uh, forgive me out there, folks. Uh, I'm having a great time with Robert right here on the hand talk. But yeah, what happened is uh, because of our image, and we started to do this in the, at the Deep South Honky Tonk, Way before its time, Bobby Bear would come in from Nashville. He's a, a legendary. He's in the CMA Hall of Fame. His uncle, Johnny Bear, was a guitar man. So right there is where it, the Steve started of us uh, being uh, different than the rest of the establishment of the, of the 60s back in Nashville. We just couldn't go to Nashville yet because we were dragged into a hit record in pop. I mean, a monster hit. But then we, uh, our love for country music, Robert, we uh, left the rock and roll world at the height of its career there with the group Mercy. Sometimes I wonder if that was a good idea, but we loved country music, went to Nashville, and all of a sudden with, uh, with a lot of uh, uh, restrictions from the industry, the ultra-conservative industry of that day, uh, we had a rough time. I mean, we would uh, go out to places and and perform as the duo folks can see us on the old wilburn brothers shows an abc television network show the wilburn brothers teddy and doyle uh took a chance on us and put us on their abc tv show so this places us in 1970 71 72 before the so-called outlaw movement right there in the midst of country music of course we were never uh, able to reach the potential of Willie and Waylon, though they did uh, come along, you know, and we were hopefully did help create something. But what I was saying, a journalist got a hold of this story and misunderstood my attitude once, and I have great respect for Willie and Waylon and those guys because, let's face it, what we weren't able to do, 
they did, and they did it in such a big way. But I would say we might have laid, according to folks that know us in the industry, and even our manager, John Centenero, you can find him on YouTube talking about it. He was an agent with the biggest country music agent in Nashville, Buddy Lee Attractions. He tells a story and how we laid the groundwork. Uh, and sometimes in history, even, you know, the Wright brothers, I understand, may not have been the first people to fly planes. You know, I don't know. But the thing is, history gets swept away. But folks like you, Robert, that bring in a little truth to the story, uh, we can get the word out, and I appreciate that. Like they say, look us up on the Wilburn Brothers shows right now, even on YouTube, uh, on the old Teddy and Dole Wilburn under Country Cavaliers, C-A-V-A-L-E-E-R-S. We spelled it differently. And they can decide for themselves what came first, the chicken or the egg, you know. There you go. Uh, well, well, you know, the other thing I was going to bring up, too, as a fellow long hair myself, okay, although I just got snipped here a little bit, but I always had long hair. And, uh, yeah, I always resented the stereotype. You know, I was a gearhead, okay, so I wore jeans and T-shirts and, you know, and I had a fast car and I was always wrenching. Yeah, I had grease on my fingernails and stuff like that. But I'll tell you one thing I did not do. I never, never never touch drugs. In fact, I was a little on the rednecky side when I moved to Florida because I didn't know what a redneck was, but everybody said, you look like a redneck, so I took it for what it was worth. So if you got around me and you're blowing dope in my face, I punch you in the nose. That's just the way it was back in the days. Took out, you know, step outside. So you guys also had to deal with that stereotype, too. They figured, well, you're long-haired guys, you're sitting around, you're smoking dope and stuff like that, and that's not the yeah. case. You guys are actually anti-drugs, right? That's the key, and I'm glad you brought this up. It's almost like you're bringing up my whole career in one in one. 20-minute sitting, but yeah, we uh, we use that image, uh, Robert, to draw the youth and bring them in and tell them about that drugs were not good. We, they were drawn to long hair at that time. you got to remember, it was the late 60s, so, yeah. early 70s, so they're drawn. Their parents kind of accepted us because of our message, even though we were a little bit uh, different than the rest of the industry, completely different than even those days and what they were doing and the way they looked. Uh, we were just trying to bring a good country music and an anti-drug message to the youth because I saw it. Not that Mercy, Mercy was a kind of a really a clean-cut group in, in the '60s, uh, but I saw the the era there. I was right in the middle of the so-called Woodstock uh, yep. drug scene and all this, and I saw the dangers of it by being there. So I wanted to bring a message to country music. And and tell them that this thing isn't good. And I tell you, we we were a little bit ahead of our time there, but we had anti-drug people with us and and big organizations. They can find stories on this even now on the, on there and just type it up and look for it. We had um, just say no got behind us because they said here are a couple of guys that look like hippies in in cowboy hats. And, and uh, they're trying to help the youth. So, yeah, yeah, our hair down to our waist. I was on a rebel guitar. They'll find that when they look it up. Mm -hmm. Buddy was on the American uh, flag guitar as the, as the dual country cavaliers. And, um, yep, that's the story, and that's, that's the true story. My kind of guys. All right. So now you moved on. Let me ask you a question. What? So when you decided to go out on your, let's just say you and and, and your friend Goodman went out to um, solo, or let's say like as a duo, 
was it because you your passion for country music and that's one of the reasons why you kind of left the mercy and went on your own is that what was uh, kind of like the 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 motivation yeah, that's there what happened that's what happened we wanted to go back to what we called our first love okay and uh before i go any further can i thank 615 entertainment absolutely sissy okay, treat up tonight oh that sissy treat boy i tell you what she handles a lot of the great names in the industry, and I'm thankful for her, Sissy Treat at 615 Entertainment Agency. But yeah, we were we were missing the idea of country music. We grew up with it around Tampa. Of course, the garage bands were really rock and roll, as you know, but then we went into country there at the Honky Tonk with Bobby Bear's uncle, and then we missed it. We had hits with Mercy, and we just, uh, we hated to do it, but we wanted to break out and and do something what we felt was a good mission. I thought I thought having hit records grew on trees. I said, "Hey, <laughs> do it again," you know. So, <laughs> so did you? And it was is it is was um, your partner good? Good was it Goodman or good? Good, good, buddy, buddy, good, buddy, good. Okay, did you guys write a lot of the songs together as well as the music, or did you have somebody write the lyrics and then you wrote the music, or which? What was the sequence there? Oh, you mean during the days of the Country Cavaliers? Yeah, when you yeah after you left after you left Mercy. Oh, we might have done a couple or three that we wrote ourselves, of course. But then uh, there were writers that wrote for us. Tommy Overstreet's producer wrote some hits for us. His name was Tommy. I mean, his name was Richie Marino. Mm-hmm. You, I'm sure, being in country music, a lot of folks out there would remember Tommy Overstreet, and uh, he had a lot of big hits like Gwen and Don't Go Running to Him, and those hits in country in the early 70s. So, yeah, we had people write for us. We were on MGM Records also back then. Our manager at the time uh, was an agent with Buddy Lee Attractions, as I said earlier, and we wound up on MGM. So here we are, Warner Brothers, MGM. What a wonderful, wonderful ride. And even today, if I can add, Robert, uh, today I'm recording a lot of music. I haven't stopped. You would think I'd give up by now, but, you know, I've, I've got a passion like everyone that loves what they're doing. And uh, thanks to my wife, Faye, she helps me and, and, and encourages me, and I'm blessed to have her. And, uh, yeah, I continue with a lot of gospel music, and who knows, someday uh, you may like to hear some of that stuff. Well, actually, you, there was one song that you, uh, a gospel song, that you, well, in fact, I was gonna add, well, I'll tell you which one it is, Prophecy. We'll talk about that in a second. But... Because I was listening to some of that music, and you have a, a, a very—I don't know if I'm saying this right—but I mean, you have a very good voice for gospel music. You know, I mean, I, I have to admit that. But how did you move into gospel music? What was the motivation, inspiration there when you went in that direction? Well, I don't see how you can capture all this in one sitting, but I appreciate that. You're about the only one I've been able to speak to this way. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Uh, what happened? Uh, I was in Branson, Missouri in the in the 90s, and there, here I go changing gears. Uh-huh. I wound up there with, of all, pe- of all people, Willie Nelson. Okay. And he turned me loose, Willie Nelson, at the Willie Nelson Ozark Theater. He acknowledged my duel, the Country Cavaliers, believe it or not. 20 years after the fact, we wound up in his museums. He knew what happened. Of course, we can't buck the system. You know, it's, it's written now in history that, Certain people were there ahead of us or whatever, but at least Willie was nice enough to uh, place us in his museum as being ahead of our time there at the Willie Nelson Museum. So there at his theater, 
and Branson, Branson is a big deal on gospel music. It's a wonderful place. People will love Branson if they ever go there. I'm appearing there often. I have TV shows coming out of there on the ALG Gospel Network. That's another thing that maybe we can talk about someday. Mm-hmm. But yeah, gospel uh, got into my system even more. Of course, it got into me by accepting the Lord as Savior back in 1973. When I was in Nashville, I heard the chaplain of Bourbon Street. Uh, his name was Bob Harrington. They would call him the chaplain of Bourbon Street. He came to Nashville. He gave the word out of the Bible. All of a sudden, something hit me. Boom. You know, it, was, it led me. Nobody pushed me. I wasn't pushed. It was the Word of God. But now going back 20 more years after that into Branson, there I became part of the theater worship services, and I kicked off, or helped kicked off with God's help, uh, the beginnings of what even today, 30 years later, Robert, they consider a very important thing. I was acknowledged by the mayor of Branson, a few years back about this, they finally discovered I was the guy that was trying to push it because Willie Nelson had given me the run of his theater. So there we were at his theater. We packed it so much, the fire marshal had to turn people away from that 1500 seating theater. Wow. During that time, it was called the Beginnings of Theater Worship Services with all kinds of country gospel music gospel music, and uh, yeah, I was blessed. Of course, we know that the Lord does all this. I was just motivated, inspired, and went ahead with it. Well, my hat's off to you, and I think you've done a very, very sensational job at it, and I think you've, uh, as they say, found your calling. You there? Yes, I am. Oh, okay. I, was just, I mean, you know, so, well, you didn't respond, so I wasn't sure whether I lost you there for a second. <laughs> but anyway, no, no. I mean, it's like it's like anything else, you know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm passionate about cars, okay? So, you know, I've, I've tried to get away from it because uh, I jokingly say I have one vice, and it's automobiles. But, you know, it's just when you're passionate about something, you know, you might deviate a little bit to one direction or another and try something else, you know, but you go back to where your heart is because, and it's not like you said, it's not always about the money and about all kinds of accolades and success and stuff like that. But it's, if you're passionate about something, you're going to be good at it and, 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 and it's fun, you know, and, and in your case, you know, it's the same thing with music. You know, we've had a lot of musicians on the show and, you know, they've, they've gone different directions and they come back to music because that's their passion, which brings me up to my next question. We can do this. This is a real quick answer for you, I'm sure. If you were doing music, if music was not in your life right at the moment, and you became thoroughly disgusted and frustrated with it, what direction would you be going? What else? What other profession would have you uh, um, pursued? You know, that's hard to imagine. But you know, I was also in sales. Uh, I designed jewelry. It's another part of the career. You better get a career if you're going to get into music. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, any musician will tell you that. But I designed the greatest designs in country music for Willie Nelson, the Willie Nelson Outlaw belt buckles, Johnny Cash, one piece at a time, uh, made from that automobile that was so famous, the one piece at a time song. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you being in your line of work, I need to send you that so you can show it off. It's yeah, absolutely. Taken from, taken from the Johnny Cash, you know. Uh, well, it's a 49, 50, 51, 52, 52, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 55, 56, you know. So, you know, I designed that. He went along with it. I've got John John with me in the picture, Johnny Cash holding that belt buckle. 
and jewelry. Uh, man, based on that automobile, you know. And uh, for Bill Monroe, the father of bluegrass, I designed jewelry and sold tons of it by the thousands upon thousands of fans have received and gotten purchased my jewelry through the years, which was another side thing. I tell you, I'm, I'm all wore out. Sissy <laughs> can tell you, I don't see how I can not be wore out from all these things. Well, no, but I mean, really what it is, is again, you're talking about passion, you know, Call it, if you do your jewelry, it's kind of like sometimes I'm, I, I like carpentry, okay? So when I'm not doing car stuff, I'll do some carpentry. Any, any bit of it is therapy, is the way I look at it. I'm producing something. I'm, I can stand back and say, hey, look what I did. This is really cool. And I can, I can like, impress myself, so to speak. You know, I'm not out to impress anybody else, but I'm going, wow, I did that. That's pretty cool. What's the same thing with your music, with your, with your jewelry? You stand back and say, I did this. And that's got to be a real, that's just a really gratifying feeling, isn't it? Well, you know what, seeing you, what you've done, and hearing you with Jay Leno and all these people, man, I'm really, I'm think. you know, to me, you are a rock, you are a rock star, um, Robert, you really are. And, I mean, that inspires me to see what you've done, makes me want to, you know, not give up. I want to. I want to continue, you know. Well, you can't give up. I mean, and, and, and my, my radio thing just started as a, out of a, a low point in my life when, you know, something, things weren't going right. And I just said, oh, I'm going to try this and see what happens. And here it is, 11 years later, I'm on the air with, uh, with a national recording artist like yourself. How about that? Well, you know, how can I say? I'm just thankful for you, for all your listeners. I know they're li- they're, they're listening to you all over the place. I know that Sissy's listening out there in Arkansas and uh, a lot of folks from all over the world. But, you know, gosh, I mean, you put me on the map again. Thank you. You captured my whole story in 20 minutes. Well, wait a minute. There's more to the story because we're up against the clock right now, James. But here's what I want to do. You and I talked about this earlier. I'm going to stick with my schedule like here in the next couple of weeks. But what we really need to do is get you in the studio. Since you're in Tampa, you bring your guitar I'll bring mine, and I'll just be like, I'll just do some rhythm, and then you can do whatever you do and play your rhythm and some lead, and then you sing, and then we'll just, let's try a duo. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe that. <laughs> Wait a minute. But we have to rehearse because I'm not going to go cold on that one. Look <laughs> up with a California guy. Oh, my gosh. Hey, James, we're up against the clock. I want to thank you. One more time, if people want to find out how they can find out more about you and follow you, how do they go about doing it? you got a Facebook well, page, right? One way is six, 615 Entertainment Agency over there with Sissy Treat. And then another way, just go to Facebook, James Marvell, M-A-R-V-E-L-L, two L's, M-A-R-V-E-L-L. And, you know, I'm all over the map there. And, uh, you know, who knows? I may be a, a friend of yours already. I'm not sure. Yes. But maybe through, through you somehow you can point them in my direction. But, no, I thank you. I thank you. Like you say, it wasn't about any money. It was all about getting the story out. And I thank you for letting me do that. Well, James, thank you. And I look forward to meeting you. In the meantime, have a great beginning of a new year. And uh, take care of yourself and keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. All right. Hey, yeah. All my listeners, I want to thank you guys for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio Cars. Don't forget, every Tuesday night between 7 and 8 p.m. on the Tan Talk Radio Network, you can tune in to Nostalgic Radio Cars where you can hear stories and dialogue between me and some of the most fascinating and... What's the other word, Bobby? Legendary. legendary. That's it. Legendary, that's it. That's it. Let's see. Dementia. God, it's terrible. Fascinating legendary musicians. Now we're on a musician thing. And automotive people in the world. Hey, don't forget. Tell your friends. Follow us. What is the social media, Bobby? 
all the major platforms. Stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. To the other side.